Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. It's a new episode of TV Gold. We've got a Netflix triple play today. Can I tell you a secret? Mia Culpa and Louder Milk. Sort of interesting thoughts, I think, myself and my co-host, Andrew Mercado, will have about all of those. But we're going to start today with something from Oceana, a little New Zealand series that Andrew came across this week. He tipped me into it. Andrew, it's called Double Parked. Yeah, and it is a hilarious concept. It's about a lesbian couple who do the old, you know, insemination with some sperm drunken night and then discover to their horror that both of them fall pregnant at the same time. And I mean, the cast for this is just incredible. You've got Antonia Preble in there as one half of the couple. Now, she is one of my favourite Kiwi actresses because she was in Outrageous Fortune and West Side, the pre and then you've got Madeline Sammy as her partner. Now, Madeline Sammy played the Darwin detective in Deadlock. Oh, and I'm dear. pleased to report she <laughs> doesn't do that sort of shtick in Double Parked. She's just playing a funny lesbian partner in this. And she's back to how I remembered her in that really funny film, The Breaker Operas. And then they have a share house that they share with Dominique owner Ariki, who is so handsome, by the way, and Kura Forrester from Shortland Street, who always made me laugh in Shortland Street. So I just was here for the cast. I've watched the first three episodes of it. It's only five episodes. It's going to all drop on iView next week. But I tell you what, the ABC, uh, I've got two complaints about this. First of all, they're throwing it away on ABC Plus, which I just think is uh, a really disrespectful thing, which we do in Australia all the time. If something comes from New Zealand, we don't even try to make it work. Uh, throwing it away on ABC Plus when this show is good enough to be on the main channel on ABC on a Wednesday night at 9pm or 9.30, which is where they put good sitcoms like this. And the other thing is, Double Park is literally the only new show that the ABC has bought to screen this week as part of Mardi Gras. They are the official broadcaster. And you can look now at the catch-up sites, and I'll be looking at all of them today and writing about this further in Media Week on Friday. But right now, the ABC is coming third behind Nine Now, which has an incredible Pride lineup. They just did an episode of The 100 with Andy Lee this week, uh, themed around Mardi Gras. And SBS World Movies, who are also on this the way that they always used to be back when they used to broadcast the Mardi Gras. So ABC has really kind of not gotten into the spirit, I don't think, of Mardi Gras and provided enough uh, companion uh, shows around this. Uh, but Double Parked, huge thumbs up from me. I absolutely loved watching it. Look, a few things first. Um, I don't th it's on iView, so I don't think they're throwing it away. I mean, well, no, yeah, and they are making all episodes available, but they're also screening it next week on ABC Plus. Now, nobody watches ABC Plus, James. What is it? Did that used to be ABC Two? It's yeah, it's the ABC Kids Channel that becomes another channel at night, you know, and uh, 
I just think okay. it's a real throwaway there to put something there. Yeah, if you've got a, an ABC Kids channel, I mean, this is the sort of channel that does repeats of, you know, Killing Eve and Would I Lie to You and Spicks and Specs. It's basically an adult repeat channel after the kids go to bed. And I just think that Double Parked is good enough to have gone on the main ABC channel to expose it to a wider audience. The other thing to say is, all episodes are up now already. Oh, right. Okay. We, I didn't know that. Thanks for that. As we record, there's some more breaking news for you. There's actually eight episodes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I only saw five on the media side. So, oh, gosh, I'm glad you're onto it this morning. <laughs> I've not yet quite done the research. I am writing about this, so I will be checking all this out. And thanks for reminding me about Mardi Gras. I mean, I can't be too hard on this now, can I? Because it's you've got to stay <laughs> in the spirit of the moment, right? But um, Yeah. But let me say this. So it's, it, look, it starts off very promisingly and it's, and it's very funny. And I think Madeline Sammy, even though we were critical of the way she performed in Deadlock, that performance sort of endeared her a bit more to us, didn't it? Because she was As it went on. so over the top. She was really out there. Yeah, it was annoying, but it sort of, you know, she kept it up all the way through and you thought, oh, well, you know. Um, it's not that bad. I don't know Antonia Preble, but yeah, you'd you'd know her well from I think you mentioned an outrageous fortune, Shortland Street, done a lot yeah. of episodes there. Yeah, um, yeah. That that first doc, the first sort of um audio you hear is a discussion about what is jizz. <laughs> yeah. So and then you sort of suddenly get the context they're talking about sperm donation and and yeah. they, they're asking questions about how it works. And then we cut forward two years after they've been trying this, um, was it IVF um, treatment with, without success? And then you yeah. said that, that drunken night, um, one of them tries to, the, the one who hasn't been on the IVF, um, which was Madeline, you know, Sort of as if, right? But she manages to get pregnant. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's if you, if the sperm is affected by someone with alcohol. I don't know. Does that does that impact the quality of the sperm? I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. They have a very healthy uh, donor there uh, in the character played by Dominic Owner Ariki, um, yeah. and he's their housemate. And the, the scene where they have to sit down and tell him that. He's going to be a father two times over. He's very funny. I didn't get it that they all live in that one house. Yeah, it took me a while. It's a funny sort of setup because the, the episode one is the baby shower, and then yeah. it seems to go back in time to when they found out they were pregnant. So it's playing around with the timeline. I actually thought the second episode was much funnier than the first episode. That's when I really began to warm to it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, to be honest, the whole baby thing, uh, eight episodes, I would have liked, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming I've had a little peek at some of the uh, synopsis for future episodes. I'm not sure if much else comes into the storyline. So yeah. if you don't buy into this, what happens, there's not a lot maybe for you in the rest of the series. Yeah. For me, what I take out of it is a... Uh, a couple who don't really, who have trouble talking to each other, which is how a lot of relationships go, right? It's it yep, can be yep. difficult talking, frankly, to your partner. And that's what they explore here, I think, quite successfully. Um, 
one of the breakout roles here, and I don't know if she's credited, but Julia Morris is the doctor, is the IVF doctor. Wow, I didn't get to that episode. Wow. Well, she's in the first two, I'm sure. <laughs> I watched the first three episodes. There was no IVF storyline and there was no... Did I come later in here? No. Well, maybe I'd come later to it. I was watching through the ABC media site. I watched the first episode and then watched episode two and three. <laughs> maybe I clicked on the wrong thing and have got it all out of whack. I'll have more fun today watching this on iView because surely on iView it will make a lot more sense there. If if you're saying they've got all eight episodes up there, I don't know, maybe I miss, Maybe I was clicking on the wrong episodes. Yeah, yeah, she plays Dr. Foster, and I've only watched two. She's in both of them, I think. So. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, she, she's really good. She's very funny. Um, she tries to crack some jokes, and they're, they're both very serious about this, and, they, <laughs> and the jokes are really out of place, you know, in the, um, in the doctor's surgery. So that, that's very funny. Um, but, yeah, look, I really enjoyed it. I'd, I'd, I'd stick with it to see where it all goes, but, but it would have been good to have maybe some other elements instead of this just this one sort of baby theme, which I'm assuming is really dominates the whole series. Well, you've got the relationship between the two flatmates, though. That's going to bubble into something. So, um, you know, the characters that are being played there by Dominic Ona Ariki and Kura Forrester, who yeah. are just friends, but there's, you know, there's a bit of a spark between them and, you know, and they are, you know, so there's, there's, there's more to come with the flatmates, okay. which is very okay. enjoyable. The other thing I'd like to comment briefly, I think this was on three in New Zealand. Yeah. Free-to-air network owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. Oh, yeah. They had a massive hemorrhage um, just yesterday uh, yeah. as we record this where they closing down their newsroom completely. So two to 300 people's jobs could possibly yeah. go. So there'll be no news. So there's only two free-to-air channels really in New Zealand, three and TVNZ. They've got a couple of yeah. channels. So the commercial channel is not going to be doing any more news. So the wow. show is gone, the 6 o'clock news is gone, the late news is gone, and it will also impact on non-news content. They won't be making anything, um, any originals, unless it's a sort of an affordable co-production. So they won't be commissioning any of their own stuff. So it's it's a really um, a red letter day, if you like, for um, commercial TV in New Zealand. And I would imagine a lot of uh, people who work at TV stations around the world would be looking at that sort of thing with horror because this is going to be our future. I think we are going to, you know, we are going to see this sort of thing happening at the moment. I mean. You know, not pointing any fingers, but my God, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, you wouldn't want to be working in the 10 newsroom at the moment, would you? I mean, they, they live under this fear all the time of are they going to have their job tomorrow? And then that awful thing that happened with, uh, uh, you know, Jesse Baird, someone that used to work in that newsroom and uh, that that awful murder that's happened in Sydney. You know, the, the staff at Channel 10 are just, you know, having to get, suffer a lot of blows at the moment. And I really uh, send out uh, thinking of them at the moment because this is a really, really tough time to be working at 10. And they would be looking at this move across uh, the pond and going, oh, that is really bad. 
Yeah, yeah, no, terrible, terrible times in um, in the entertainment business, particularly. Yep. Okay, so look, that's double parked. It's on um, iView. All eight episodes available now. Let's move on to our Netflix triple play. I thought I might start with the documentary, a two-part documentary called "Can I Tell You a, a Can I Tell You a Secret?" Yeah. Sort of a docudrama based on a true story. Uh, details how the lives of three women are harassed by an, a, a UK serial killer who's called Matthew Hardy. Yeah. Uh, the two episodes are sort of split. The first one details um, is all about the crime, how Hardy uh, harassed the three women, and as it turns out, there were many others too. The second part delves into how the crime was solved. Um, the women all went to, it's not really a spoiler, I guess, because it's a true story, but the women yeah. all went to police originally, initially, and none of them, the cops didn't seem to take it very seriously, you know, until one um, police constable got involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, it's one of those true crime uh, investigations you can knock over in one sitting. Now, I actually thought it was just a little bit long. It was getting a bit repetitive for me at one point. Yeah. And, but then I thought to myself, hang on a second. These, these women who were victims of this man, let's give them the opportunity to talk about how horrific this was for this and how it went on for years and years and has ruined their lives and continues to have repercussions today. And so I sort of went, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they should get some time to really go into detail about the ramifications of this. And then, of course, the ending of it is just such a yeah moment, you know, because they do get him um, yeah. and they really get him. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's not one, it's not like watching Mr. Bates versus the post office where you kind of come out the end of it and go, gee, I hope there's justice for those victims at some point. Can I tell you a secret delivers you the ending you want to see after hearing this horrific, horrific thing that this one man did to women he didn't even know, like seriously. Yeah, those the three women that are sort of profiled in that first episode, they're all very brave, aren't they, sharing yeah. what happened. You can tell them it still impacts them, even though it's sometime after the case when they yeah. relived it. They shared a lot of the social media posts, the impact, because it wasn't just them. This guy sent um, texts and social media posts masquerading as these three women to their friends, their lovers, uh, their family, and caused all sorts of chaos and stress, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're right. They deserve the time to have their story told properly, you know? Yes. Um, but, look, it does seem slow. It does seem drawn out. But, again, it, look, let them have their moment. Um, one of the things I thought was really weird, the way that stalker's voice in that they recreated some of that, that was um, – I think it was recreated. I don't think that was real audio. 
Yeah, I think that was recreated. They were kind of going, it was very much a kind of a 90s slasher movie there, you know. I know what you did last summer. You know, going for that sort of, you know, vibe, I think, to try and spice up the material to keep you watching. Because the truth was that he wasn't actually speaking to them, I don't think. He was sending them messages, you know, DMs all the time, sending messages. But his, his, uh, the first opening line to everybody would be, can I tell you a secret? That was the line this man used, and quite often he'd be impersonating women, by the way, to draw the person into his world, and then absolute, as you say, chaos would reign from that point on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I think the journalist Siren Kale first wrote about this in The Guardian. She yep. went on, she made a podcast about it, also called Can I Tell You a Secret? And then they've based this um, two-parter on the work she did. Yeah. So, so it, you know, if you if you want a little bit more detail, and I think there's probably quite enough in this two-parter, you can sort of hunt down that podcast. But, yeah, yeah. Look, it's very moving and it's really worthy. Um, and the, the work that that police constable, Kevin Anderson, who you, you see him, you get – he retraces all his steps. And it's very methodical. That's what I – that's one of the things, but look, it is slow, but it just details step by step by step exactly yeah. what happens and how they got this guy, you know? Yeah, that is true. It is very methodical. Yeah. So fans of police procedurals will probably um, <laughs> will, will also appreciate that the work gone in here. Okay, so that's um, Can I Tell You a Story? Two parts up on Netflix can I tell you a secret, not a story? Can oh, I tell yeah. you a secret? <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? Okay, look, our second um our second Netflix project this week, Mia Culpa, a Netflix movie. Gee, this is a weird one. Look, I've got to say up front, I would have expected a, a lot more from producer, director, writer, superstar Tyler Perry. This yeah. is this is a bit of a shocker. It is an absolute shock. The, the whole time I was watching it, I was going, I've seen this before. This movie was basically a mashup of 80s movies like Jagged Edge yeah. and Basic Instinct and there's a third one in there. I, I just, the whole time I was watching it, I was going, I've seen this before. Um, and I was really shocked because it, it has set me down a bit of a rabbit hole uh, looking into Tyler Perry's career because I've always been aware of Tyler Perry, but most of his stuff has been for the African-American market and it's never really made it to Australia. They haven't released his movies here because he um, dresses, does a sort of a Mrs. Brown's boys thing here. He dresses up in drag as this uh, character called Medea and has made a, a series of movies about her, but some members of the black community have actually criticised him as kind of reinforcing black mammy stereotypes with this character. So it's, he's not universally loved, but his movies have made money at the box office and he's worth about a billion dollars today. And I actually, although I'd never seen any of his stuff, I looked into it and he has this massive studio that he has built in Atlanta where he's got the lobby of a luxury hotel and a White House replica set. And so he's got this facility that he's built down there and he 
indeed mea culpa this movie was made there. A little bit of on-location filming in Chicago, uh, but most of it shot at this studio. But, yeah, I just couldn't believe the story. Not only was it derivative of every Glenn Close movie I saw in the 80s, but it also... When it finished and there was that big twist at the end, I actually started thinking about it and going, this is barking mad. There is nobody would actually, it's so ridiculous that this setup that, you know, it's like you, nobody would go to the trouble of setting something like that in the hope that what happens happens. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And Kelly Rowland plays Mia. I love it. The title is Mia Culpa, the Latin <laughs> phrase. And she's called Mia, but she doesn't spell it M-I-A. She spells it M-E-A so they can have that clever title. That enough should make you run for the exit. Um, and then you've got um, Trevanti Rhodes in there playing this um, artist, Zaire, who's accused oh, of this horrific crime. And he's the guy that was in uh, who played the uh, grown-up adult version of Sharon in the movie Moonlight. Moonlight, of course, famous as the movie that actually won the Best Picture Academy Award, but they Dunaway had said La La Land and they had to have that great shuffle and go, no, sorry, La La Land, she didn't win, it's Moonlight. So here he is all these years later from Moonlight and his entire performance in this is so wrong because the whole time you're watching this film, this guy barely can defend himself. He's like, I didn't do it, man. I didn't do it. And it's like, well, could you have a bit of passion? Could you try and convince the lawyer that you're innocent? Because all the evidence points to you being guilty and you don't seem to give a rat's ass about it. It's just a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, look, you keep asking yourself, why am I still watching this all the way through? Um, yeah. It's amazing that, um, I mean, Kelly Rowland's one of the reasons maybe to stick with it, seeing her performance, but she, she doesn't really come off, you know, any any award-winning performance. But no. what is, is notable is her wonderful wardrobe, um, the, <laughs> the, the exotic and, you know, glamorous outfit she seems to change into for absolutely every scene. And, yeah, you talk about the artist. Have you ever seen a less creative-looking artist? I mean, it's just so unbelievable, his whole character. It's just yeah. amazing. Um, and what about the scene where they go to the sex club? It was like, <laughs> please, these places do not exist. You don't walk down, go into a back alley, walk down the stairs and find, you know, orgies going on with, you know, sheer lace curtains everywhere. It's like, please, this is, you know, every time I, you know, hear a story about someone who's been to a swingers club, it's so disgusting. And most people are like going, ooh, I don't want to sit on the couches. And yet whenever Hollywood does it, you know, it's always full of beautiful people having sex. And there's Kelly Rowland walking around this sex club. Please, that was the most laughably stupid moment in the whole thing. But what about, you know, her her scruples as a sort of a, you know, Chicago's best criminal attorney? Oh. And she's jumped into bed with her client after, you know, known him for a few hours. You know, he's, yeah. he comes on her and says, you know, oh, I, I want to sleep you. He's very open about it. And she goes, yeah, as if. But then she sort of succumbs without too many, um, too many problems. No. I mean, look, good on Kelly Rowland for getting out there and diversifying. I mean, she's a singer. 
She's a judge on reality TV shows. She's come down and done The Voice Australia and all of that. Um, and, and, and then she acts. But if you look at her acting resume, it's nothing to like go, woo, woo about. I mean, her first role was in, um, Jason versus Freddy, you know, the two horror movie icons coming together. I mean, if that's how your movie career starts, it's, it's never going to end well. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. She was in Empire. I think she did a few, maybe one series of Empire. And she's made two Christmas movies. I think the, the Merry Little Christmas series. So there's there's been the first one was apparently a success. So they did a follow-up. But look, I should mention this is actually the number one movie on Netflix this week. Yes, it is. So there's a lot of people watching this, you know. Um, well, it's not. It's only a two-hour movie. You're not having to watch six episodes or something like that. As stupid as it is, you're sitting there looking at the clock, thinking, "Well, I've come this far. I might as well finish and then see where we end up." Yeah, I mean, we've I've talked about her relationship with her client. You know, jumps into bed with him. Um, but what about her relationship with her brother-in-law and her mother-in-law? I mean, they're just so unbelievable. That. The, the, those characters, aren't they? The, the mother-in-law just stands out, though, as, you know, this yeah. woman supposedly has cancer and, oh, she's just hor- horrific. The mother-in-law is so horrific. Within <laughs> the first five minutes, I was, like, going, Kelly Rowland's character is a joke for not standing up to her. No. Anybody that would sit there at a family dinner and let their mother-in-law be so awful to them at the dinner table in front of everybody, any normal person would stand up and go, get stuffed. I'm not going to even stay in this house a moment longer if you're going to speak about me like that in front of everyone in the room. It was so ridiculous. And she was such a cartoon villain. I almost expected her to start kidnapping Dalmatians to turn them into a fur coat. I just wonder if one of the problems was this was that um, Tyler Perry gave uh, Kelly Rowland too much rope, if you like. I mean, he, I saw there's one interview where he talks about, um, he's never worked with someone who had so many great ideas she brought to the table. Um, and Kelly said in return, it was just so easy to work with him. There was never a moment where he was uncertain about something. He would say, well, let's discuss my ideas and let's give it a try. So, you know, wow. I mean, researching uh, Tyler Perry yesterday, I discovered that uh, Donald Glover uh, did an episode of Atlanta that was basically based around Tyler Perry and those film studios, and he was uh, not saying, you're a good guy. Uh, So I think with all big, um, you know, big powerful people like this there's people that go it was a great experience working with him which i'm sure kelly Rowland will say but there's a whole bunch of other filmmakers and stars that go you know sorry i'm not in the club and i had a horrendous experience there so it's, it's very interesting reading up on him if you you want to do that yeah look mea culpa i mean you probably might be tempted to have a look of it after all that but um you, you- <laughs> You'd have some fun anyway. Um, it's a Netflix movie and it's available now. Let's end our uh, next Netflix road trip today with Louder Milk. Uh, there's been three seasons of this show. It's moved from, I think it started life on a small channel called Audience, which was on AT&T. Uh, it was also available on Prime. It ran from 2017 to about 2020, but it's recently, I think only just this year, 
Netflix bought the rights and they've got all three seasons. And I've got to say, I had a pretty good time. Yeah, I did too. Uh, it's filmed in Vancouver. It's a Canadian TV show, but it's set in Seattle. And, you know, Vancouver and Seattle are really quite close to each other. So that's a really good uh, comparison. You could be filming in Vancouver and the weather would almost be the same as it is in Seattle. Those two cities are, you know, geographically quite close to each other. So, yeah, I, I really... The first episode, I was like going, oh, I don't know if I can do this because Ron Livingston plays this uh, lead character, Sam Loudermilk, and he is a drug and alcohol counsellor and sort of hosts these uh, AA meetings for addicts. And uh, he's very much of the tough love uh, type of uh, advice. Uh, you know, he doesn't suffer fools gladly and he's a pretty uh, sardonic, cranky old guy. And uh, But, you know, this his particular method does actually work with his clients. And in the first episode, uh, he gets a room that he seems to use from a Catholic priest and the Catholic priest comes to him and says, I'm so fed up with you louder milk and um i want to throw you out on the street but you know if you do this favor for me i've got a parishioner and in comes this woman who goes you've got to help my daughter and at one stage the woman refers to heroin school and louder milk looks at her as if to go what's heroin school and the priest goes rehab that really made me laugh uh that line and then as i started watching it and getting used to the characters i did uh really start getting into it and of course no surprise that the reason it's so edgy is because it's from Peter Farrelly, um, one half of the filmmakers that made There's Something About Mary, Dumb and Dumber, all of those kind of American gross-out movies, Shallow Hell. They had a lot of success in the late 90s. But look, their shtick did sort of wear thin. I think they... I think they peaked, didn't they, with There's Something About Mary, and nothing has really gotten up to that box office since. But I like, I do like this show, and there does some to, seem to be some heart in this, that even though the jokes are a little bit uh, edgy and, and black sometimes, there is, a, as you get to know the characters, you start to go, oh, yeah, actually, I, I think I'm kind of buying into this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a little bit rocky in that first episode. The sort of funny moments, just to think, oh, yeah, you know, will, will I go? Will I stay? Yeah, I stayed on. I've watched episodes from all three seasons to get a feel for how. Oh, it that's clever. Yeah, there's a storyline in the third season. I'm not that fussed with. Uh, without spoilers, it involves a baby, and it made me think of um of um double parked and I thought, uh, I hope this baby doesn't dominate the whole series <laughs> because it's just not it's it's strong for one episode, but you know, I don't want to see it recurring all the time. Um is it uh Anya Savic plays the um the young girl? Yeah, um, she's very good in it. Oh yeah, she's really good. She's a real find, I think. Claire, she um ends up joining their sort of sessions. A louder milk, of course, himself is a recovering alcoholic too, which is uh, which sort of makes his character a bit more believable. I think you know he's not just 
brought in as um, someone to try and fix these guys. It's and did you identify with his past as a 90s music journalist? He used to throw the old article into Rolling Stone and you see the uh, back jacket of his book and he's got long hair and wearing <laughs> 90s outfit. <laughs> Are there any photos of you around like that from the days of editing Smash Hits magazine, James Manning? Well, I did have long hair, but it had gone before I, um, before <laughs> I made it to Smash Hits, I'm afraid. Thankfully, there's um, very few photos of the uh, of the long hair. Um, yeah, but look, yeah, yeah, no, look, it's enjoyable. I, I liked it. Um, uh, as I said, watched bits of all three seasons, and yeah, look, the cast are good. I mean, I recognise a couple of them, but there, I think one of them's a, a well known comic. Um, there's a couple of bit part actors in there, but but no one stands out as a star or anything. But they all they're all quite good. They're all quite strong. It's pretty much a, an exclusive male outfit that club, isn't it? Until Claire turns up. Yeah, it seems to be that way. And the cast is pretty much mostly Canadian, except for Ron Livingston, of course, who okay. we know from the movie Office Space, and he was a a boyfriend of Sarah Jessica Parker's character in Sex and the City there for a while. Okay. Um, but yeah, the cast is mostly Canadian. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All and right. I get the feeling, James, that Netflix would will make some more episodes of this if it goes well. I mean, the show has had a very potted history, jumping around from one network to the other as one network shut down and somebody else bought it. Um, I get the feeling that Netflix are screening this now, and if it goes well, I, I reckon they'd be up for making some more. Yeah. Well, apparently, Peter Farrelly has got an outline for a season four, like a, he does. a farewell, a farewell season, if you like, of yeah. the show. Um, but it's it's not all blokey. There's Claire. Then Loudermilk has a couple of romantic liaisons uh, across those first two seasons. So yeah. there's some, there's some interesting um, relationship stuff the um, the series also gets into. But look, it's an easy watch. Twenty five thirty minutes. They they pop really quickly. Those episodes. Yeah, yeah. And it's a nice juxtaposition to all those sort of long, you know, 10 one-hour reps, eight one-hour reps of of all that, the heavy dramas. So, yeah, Louder Milk, three seasons, all available right now on Netflix. Out of all those, what would you choose? And are you going to go off-piste again this week? No, oh. I'm sticking with what was, I was on offer. Okay. And my show of the week is Double Parked. You know, I'm such a fan of New Zealand drama and comedy. And, uh, yeah, just based on the cast alone, uh, I'm going to watch all eight episodes of Double Parked. And it, it feels to me like I've been watching episodes out of order. Maybe the episodes on uh, the media preview start were, there were five episodes and maybe I started with episode five and I'm working backwards because <laughs> I found the timeline very confusing. So I'm going to go to iView, watch the first episode with Julia Morris. Double part is definitely my show of the week. Yeah, look, I'm going to have to join you there. Um, I'll resist the temptation to pick me a culpa just for a laugh, but um, we'll go <laughs> for um, double parked. And look, I'm with you that... Watching on demand is great, but it's not foolproof, is it? I've often come in on the wrong episode or even started the wrong series, you know, I'm wondering, scratching my head going, mm, why has this happened? And you work out, yeah. well, hang on, I didn't really catch this at the start. Um, 
I haven't got much to leave us with this week except to say I'm quite looking forward to next week when we hopefully we'll have time to dip into Shogun, which is on um, Disney+. Plus. It's getting some good reviews, and at last I've got a series I can watch on Disney+. Plus. There hasn't been one for a while. Yeah, no. Um, there's a couple of uh, really big shows uh, we need to talk about next week. Uh, Mary and George with Julianne. Uh, more and the regime, pardon me, with Kate Winslet. Both of those will be on Foxtel and Binge. But look, I've got a massive, massive viewing tip for everyone today. On Friday, the 1st of March, on SBS World Movies at 9.30 p.m., they're screening a movie called Swan Song. Two words, okay. Swan Song. It stars uh, Jennifer Coolidge in a very non-Jennifer Coolidge performance. She's not doing that comedy shtick. She's doing straight drama. Okay. Linda Evans. Yes, wow. Linda Evans from Dynasty <laughs> and Udo Kier. Now, Udo Kier is a kind of an indie cult film actor. You've seen him in a lot of films from the 70s. You'll probably recognise him. He was an Andy Warhol yeah. star. He was in Flesh for Frankenstein. He's also in the uh, Andy Warhol-inspired clip of Madonna's Deeper and Deeper, where she's setting her clip around the factory and there's Udo Kier on the couch while she's uh, deep-throating a banana. So he's been around forever. And in Swan Song, he plays a hairdresser uh, who's in a retirement village uh, and someone comes to see him to tell him that the richest woman in town has died and has personally requested that he comes out of retirement to do her hair and makeup for an open coffin viewing. And it is just the most hilarious and beautifully heartfelt movie. It's my favourite movie of like, the last four years. It's uh, that's how much I love it. I've watched it twice. Uh, I'm sure this movie will be on SBS on demand after Friday. You don't have to watch it on Friday the first of March, but track it down while SBS on demand have them because it's a tiny, tiny, tiny little movie. I, I saw it on uh, binge Foxtel binge. No other stream has got it. So SBS on demand has it now. Catch it while up there. Swan Song, my favourite movie of the last few years. Wow, great tip. That's a that's a big recommendation. Not the best movie of the last few years. Whoa. So um good one. I'll definitely watch out for that one. All right, Andrew, thank you. That's another episode of TV Gold. Um, all wrapped up. What are you going to write about this week? Do you know yet? Yeah, I'm going to look at what else is available for uh, Mardi Gras programming this week uh, yeah. and have a look at and I'm going to go through everybody's streamers, see who's celebrating it and who's okay. not. All righty. Good stuff. That's Andrew's column this week. You can find that in Media Week um, in our morning report on Fridays, also at mediaweek.com.au. From It's up by usually about 9am on a Friday morning. Andrew, we'll talk next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.